that you're born an Italian If you want your life to be great See that you're born an Italiano And your life will be great Hey there, Paisani. Welcome back to another episode of the Italian-American Podcast. I'm John Viola with my partner in crime, the Italian-American Wikipedia, Patrick O'Boyle. We have been back and forth a bunch of events this week and got to spend a little bit of time together. I think we got some other stuff coming up next week. Uh, this is Our lives are, are back to pre-COVID New York crazy. New York has not recovered, but we our social schedules have. Yeah, we as are. As far as being out, Yeah, I would yeah. say. Had a great night the other night, myself, Pat. My wife, Nicole, a lot of our friends, Rosella, Dolores, uh, at the Center for Migration Studies Gala in New York. It was really, really nice, and they recognized my family for our contributions to the organization and some of our work, uh, charitable work around immigration, and it was just a really nice night to sit and talk about something that I think we're all so passionate about with uh, so many people that really care and are doing great work on immigration in this country. I thought that was a lot of fun, didn't you? Yeah, I, all those events come down to the people who are there. And you had two extra tables, and we filled it with a lot of great people, and that's why it's enjoyable. It always comes down to the company, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, yeah. The and food was very good. It was good. Yeah, I was very surprised. I they ate had, well. like, those lobster – they were, like, lobster roll sand. What were those things? Yeah, they the had lobster – like, mini lobster rolls, but, like, minis – they weren't mini. They were, like, half a, a, a regular lobster roll or d'oeuvre. That was – I must say 40 of those. And then they had a grilled cheese with short rib, and, I mean – the appetizers, past appetizers, was very well done. It was very, very well done in Medigan food. Yes, it was. It was really good. I really like liked carnival it. food as a cocktail hour, which I enjoy. I, I like variety. I love a cocktail hour. I could, I mean, you know, I know it's controversial in the Italian community. We talk about this sometimes. Some people, they think you do the extra cocktail hour and then you skimp at the wedding on the actual meal. Some old timers don't like it. I don't mind it. I like mingling, talking, you know, different food coming around. I guess you miss stuff, but. Nobody does a cocktail hour like you do at the uh, San Mango at, dinner dance. Yeah, at the right. San Mango dinner dance, no way. That's like unbelievable. That's done intentionally. How did that go? By the way, it's the first year I missed it in a long time. Uh, I think it was the best year we ever had. I see. That's because I wasn't there. No, I'll tell you why. Because I pushed and I lobbied and I annoyed, which I'm very good at. You are. It's the triumvirate of my existence. <laughs> Your talent set, yes. And great. we got the Bloomfield Mandolin Orchestra to play for the cocktail hour. That's great. You know I love that mandolin orchestra. They do a great job too. They and it's classy. Them. It's background music. Yeah, we we had Antonio Patazzi, who we have to re-record. Yeah, because we actually had Antonio, who was supposed to. We had an episode taped with Antonio, and the um, audio did not come out well, so we have to retape him. Yeah, but he's a DJ. But Antonio Antonio is a known commodity. The Bloomfield Mandolin Orchestra was a surprise for a lot of people. That must have been really nice. Listen, you know, you know, my my creed in life is go big or go home. Yeah, sure, that's certainly true. I got, you know, I never, I never go for second best. No, no, you don't. Oh, you throw, no. you throw a good event. You definitely. Yeah, but I got Everybody. that senior, that's the in me, right? Only cups with saucers. <laughs> Only cups with saucers. That's right. I, I'm sorry we missed it this year. I'm not a mug person. You know no. that. No, you know absolutely. I can't fountain, do. It. I could fountain do milk. Pens. Sound yeah. pans. I could do a, a mug of milk. No, no. Now you or a mug of beer, but I gotta have a zotopiata there for coffee or tea or anything. I can't help it. Who I am? Somebody was asking me that the other day about you, about being formal, and I said, I think once when we were, I think we were in France, and I had to drop off something in your room, and I kind of like barged in, and you had your, uh, 
I don't want t-shirt to t-shirt on. T-shirt. Yeah. You're, you're, we, 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 yeah, we, we call it a muscle sleeveless. Shirt. We yeah, can't use the G shirt. word. Exactly. Yeah, that's the, right. no, exactly. But uh, you had it on, and you were scandalized that I saw you in your t-shirt, and I was like, "You're very formal. You. That's just you. You know." I wear very good pajamas to bed. I, I no one's have, ever seen them. I picture you like Scrooge with the hat, with the tassel. And no, the, that that yeah. I want. If in case I schiat in my sleep, I want to make sure when they find me, I, I'm old senora in, in <laughs> like Got nice Portuguese pajamas, different shades of blue. Yeah, you do know. Like when you took me when we went to France, you took me for the socks from the French company that makes them for all the cardinals in the church, and you know every top manufacturer out there. That's your that's your strength. I got that from my grandmother. Really. And my mother, yes, because my grandmother, I probably told the story before, but you can hear it again. So I go, I go to Catholic school my whole life, and my grandmother would polish my shoes every morning. Yeah. So I'm a junior in high school, and she's polishing my shoes. I'm like, Grandma, you don't have to do this. I stop. She goes, and she like basically told me to shut up and said, "Remember, when you walk out this door, you don't represent you. You represent me." Yeah, ain't that the truth? And that sh- that was a life changing moment. It's really funny you say that. Because- I was I was in first grade. I was in first grade. My mother got me a little P.O.B. with a diamond tie pin. That's that's fantastic. So they they bred me. For, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, Not yeah, that yeah. came from me, but yeah. It's, it's, no, I, I think it's funny you say that because I, you know, you you and I met the first conversation we had, as much of the audience knows, was exchanging stories about our grandmothers and similarities. And obviously, I, when we met, both of us had lost our grandmothers already. Uh, but I always, always find when you tell those stories that they remind me of my grandmother, my dad's mom. And I was talking to my dad last night, I think, and we were catching up about certain things, and we were talking about how my grandmother, even in the poverty that my dad's family lived in, and, and my grandmother somehow scrimped, saved, found ways, I don't know how, to make sure that we went to plays or the opera, which was, like, completely foreign. And my dad was saying how he used to complain about it, right? And she would say, basically, like, sit here, observe the people here, take yourself out of your body, and you will eventually find some way to appreciate this and it'll become a part of you like surrender to these better things and it'll make you better and and he you know eventually got that i think it's an amazing testament to these these immigrants right and their offspring like my grandmother's father he was a garbage man which was a very good job because it came with a pension and uh my grandmother said he would leave the house every day in a suit three pieces a vest a jacket a hat walk down to the transfer station, change into his jumpsuit, his overalls, work all day on a garbage truck, I guess originally a a wagon, and then go back and change back into a suit just to walk home and take it off. And I thought that was amazing. You know, that that's, there's a certain dignity there that... um, Italians never confounded dignity with money. Yes, very well said. Yeah. Yeah. You always, the guy could have been down on his luck or not have a well-paying job, but he still was put together. I mean, I wear sweatpants to the gym and stuff like that and shopping around the house. Sure. But that's, you know, and, and blessed are they who get to see me in that because that shows you're a true friend. You want to see Pat in hiding like he, he's being this hunted by the KGB? We landed in Naples for a trip with Princess Beatrice, and you, I guess your flight got delayed. I was 24 hours on three separate Air France flights. Yeah, Never again. Yeah. My cue. They have the worst customer service in the world, Charles de Gaulle. Yeah, correct. <laughs> yeah, so you came in to Naples, and... I, I guess you had to meet us at the San Carlo Opera House, and everybody's walking around. We're doing this big tour in suits, and you had on shorts and a T-shirt from traveling, and you were whispering and, like, getting my attention from behind the curtain. I'll never forget seeing you, and you just you wouldn't even step out in front of everybody. You let me Because know. the whole NIAF crowd was also one of them, uh, a board member who remained nameless came up to me 
and made a comment about my appearance, my yeah. dress. And I said, oh, by the way, I've been in a plane. I smell. I haven't taken a shower in 24 hours. I've been airborne for 24 hours because it serves me right for flying on Air France. <laughs> right. Because my brother had to find the cheapest flight ever. It was one. <laughs> it was one step above a hot air balloon. I, I, I might as well gone on a Zeppelin. And yeah, they criticize. I like to travel in Under Armour sweat. What do they call them? Like the sweatpants. Yeah. And a T-shirt when I fly because I love to sleep in moving vehicles, cars, you sure do. airplanes. Nobody yeah. has a better fight than me because I will go the minute after they give you the life preserver speech. I fall. <laughs> I fall asleep. Yeah. The next thing I know, I'm in a foreign country. So I like to be comfortable with that. You are both That's the my best and the worst traveling companion I ever had because in the 20% of the travel that you're awake, conversation's great. We may pull over and stop somewhere amazing and find a 200-year-old sausage recipe in the middle of Pennsylvania. But the other 80%, you are out like you've been tranquilized, like so, like somebody shot you with a bear tranquilizer. Everybody tells me I snore. I, I wouldn't say it's a consistent snore. It, it comes and goes. But you're out. You're out like a light. There's no waking you up. There's no talking to you. The car can catch on fire. You're out. <laughs> and you're not getting up until you... I fell asleep on Princess Beatrice's shoulder, you told me. Oh, for like an hour and a half. I, I slept on a royal shoulder across <laughs> the did. south of Italy. Yeah, she was so nice about it, too. She didn't imagine move. if my ancestors had imagined that the sister there would be king. I kind of just collapsed and started <laughs> snoring and sleeping. Yeah, you just cuddled with her. She was really great about it. But see, now you want to ruin my life and drag me to this place in Little Italy. I'm in right now. I'm an American giant sweatshorts and a T-shirt and only, nobody knows that but me. But you well, could all... be in a tuxedo. Nobody knows. But now you got to drag me out. Speaking of tuxedo, unfortunately, that was the low point of our night the other night at the Center for Migration Studies, because somehow on a Wednesday night, I misinterpreted the invitation and thought it was said black tie and told all of our friends. Yeah, but you look fantastic. You, got, you guys got to understand. John, John is always well put together. Uh, well, I have I... never seen John in a pair of shorts all the years I know. I don't think he owns them. Like me, I got to be comfortable. I got to have a pair of shorts on. Once it hits 75 degrees, I'm putting shorts on. But not, but and my grandfather always said, like, you know, when you become a man, you start wearing pants. And it was something like I, I never saw my yeah, grandfather. But that, that's a 1930s. Yeah, but I mean, that's indicative me, you know? of what was his name that they all used to watch? It was Andy Rooney. No, that was on 60 Minutes. The kid in all those 1930 movies. Yeah, Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney. Brav. Mickey Rooney. Yeah. I mean, that's when they had knee, they had the, the knee britches, not the knee britches. Yeah, like the knee, the, yeah, knee, yeah, yeah. the knee pants. Yeah, like the 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 baseball looking pants. Yeah. You think they were comfortable? Yeah, I think they were very comfortable. Like they're like rolled up sweatpants. Yeah. Best thing I ever wore was that tuxedo from the '30s because I couldn't get a tailcoat the first time. The night I met you at Savoy, I couldn't I couldn't find a tailcoat that fits, so I bought one at a vintage place from the '30s, and the waist is like basically under your chest, and the seat of the pants is low, you feel like you're wearing uh, MC Hammer pants. Is that why the old-timers used to wear their pants up so high? Yes, yeah, it's, it's very freeing. Because that was the style when they were kids. Yeah, I, I don't know, but I, I was the most comfortable thing. I felt like I had pajamas on with the, with the jacket and tie. Yeah, it was great. I love it. I would go back to that in a heartbeat if they would make them. You know, this Sunday, I have a tremendous regret that I cannot make. Eric Lucera is doing his book presentation in Philadelphia. Is that right? Yes, I find that the, one of the greatest accomplishments of this podcast, that we are associated with what he has done. That's amazing. Yeah. He went, I want to get him on. Um, he is a listener. His family actually comes from the town next to San Mango, comes from Cesar. And um, we had started a conversation over that, now member of our congrega. Um, but his other side is from Bikari in, in Foggia. And he basically did a book mapping out 
basically how the people from Bikari built a new Bikari in Philadelphia. Really? It's spectacular. I, 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 I'm very, very sad that I cannot go because we have Linda's event that we're tied into, the Italian-American Welfare League event in Manhattan. Oh, yeah. Um, and I really am heartbroken that I cannot go, but I am so proud of him and what he has done. I, I feel that we, it's an honor to the podcast to be associated with a man of that caliber. I am very proud to call him a listener and a friend. That's wonderful. And, and a friend who you made through the show, right? Correct, correct. And, you know, it's a perfect segue into our episode today because the, I think the thing that you've fallen in, one of the things you've fallen in love with about this show and the platform and the time that we've been on it is the interaction with our listeners. But, you know, through the new neighborhood membership group where you're consistently uh, back and forth with our listeners, either it's questions or stories or I sharing. I to things. everybody. I just got to publicly apologize. I don't get back to people because I'm just swamped. Yeah. but like you, People you, send me questions and like I feel rude. Don't think it's rudeness on blowing people off. I just can't manage all the incoming mail. To be honest with you, sometimes. No, but you eventually do. You're pretty. You're you're pretty thoughtful that way. I have to say, I've always found you very thoughtful in communication. But you've spent a lot of time really getting to know the listeners who cho- choose to join our membership group, or those who reach out. And you know, if you can be actively involved in their projects, you're you're very dedicated to that. And you brought to my attention one of our listeners and uh, new neighborhood members uh, more recently who's here to join us today, who has a project that was also uh, partially, uh, let's say, uh, incubated around some of the conversations on the Italian-American podcast. So let me introduce Dr. Rosemary Intili Ferdinand. She's a podcast listener, a member of our new neighborhood. She graduated summa cum laude from Seton Hall University with a bachelor's in nursing and MS eventually in psychiatric mental health nursing from Columbia and the first PhD class in biomedical informatics at Rutgers School of Health Professions. She's got a 30-year career in health, and she's here today to share a project that brings her back to her roots on the island of Sicily. So, Dr. Ferdinand, welcome to the Italian-American Podcast. Hi. Oh, it's so good to be here. It, it really just a, a privilege. And, um, you know, I really do want to thank you um, and the whole team for the work you do. Uh, at some point, you know, in the conversation today, I'd like to get into how this um, podcast really helped me form an identity that enabled uh, me to, to have an approach to move forward with what is, um, you know, the headline of the reason why I'm here today. And that is that uh, the University of South Florida, uh, spearheaded by the College of Nursing, has signed two memorandums of understanding with the university, two universities in Sicily. Like, yay, Sicily. <laughs> yeah, you're not kidding. Tell, tell us about this, because I think, you know, some members of our audience may not be active in how these universities uh, work, right? Because it's there's so many levels. These MOUs, Memorandums of Understanding, they're laying out a future uh, in more engaged partnership between University of South Florida and the nursing departments at these universities in Sicily to do what? So, yeah, so here's the really big news about this, and I've never been prouder to be a nurse or to be a Sicilian, is that the um, the Department of Nursing, Dean Usha Menon, is spearheading the agreements for all of USF. So these were broad-based agreements that were signed that basically – uh, allow growth within every part of the University of South Florida. It started with health. 
you know, because that was, you know, that was kind of the, where it all came together was around nursing. And God bless her, she picked it up and just ran with it. And the two organizations in Sicily, one is a brand new university. Uh, it is a brand new medical school. It is at the Core University of Anna in the middle of Sicily. For those who are not familiar with Sicily, this is kind of the area that nobody goes to on vacation, but it's really the heart of Sicily. Yeah. And so that's a brand new school. We had the wonderful opportunity to work with a brilliant young dean, uh, Dr. Roberta Malanguanera. And uh, she's just starting her medical school there. And the partnership just took off immediately um, between her, Dr. Menon, and also Dr. Jennifer Koo, who is the director of the program on the USF side. And the second university is the University of Catania, which is 180 degrees in the other direction in terms of, in terms of the organization itself. And that university was founded in the 1400s. So, you know, a visit there is just like walking into the past and you just, you know, everything just speaks of the connection between the church and the government and, you know, the province. It feels so provincial. And it's just amazing the age of the documents. We took a tour through the library um, before I lose this train of thought, I want to get back um, to that visit. But through the University of Catania, we have the incredible opportunity to work with an organization in Traina, which is back kind of in the central part of Sicily, a sister city to my ancestral hometown of Chodami. Um, Traina, um, there is an organization that was founded by a father, Feralta. And he has passed on, and the organization is the Awasi Institute, Research Institute of Trina. And that it was for me just a mind blowing connection. Um, that's really where the whole thing came together in terms of the spiritual grounding as well. Can I ask you the most important question? Did you actually visit the campuses in Sicily? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. How were the cafeterias? <laughs> no, really, I would love to eat in a, in a Sicilian university cafeteria. Number one, there had to be a lot of eggplant and swordfish. That oh, definitely gosh, had here to we be go. There. But how good was the food in the cafeteria? That's like my dream to go to an Italian college cafeteria <laughs> and see how good the food is. Well, Pat, you know, maybe we can get you a joint appointment. How's that? I sound? would love to go there. Oh, boy. <laughs> I would love to, I, no, really, I would love to do it. That sounds would love to do it. I think you probably could have a really great meal at a Sicilian university cafeteria. They probably sell wine. That's what I think about. But we just talked uh, in the beginning of our conversation about the approach to dignity and signoria. Would you imagine that a Sicilian university, the rectors, the leadership, would have a contingent from the United States arrive and, and bring them to the cafeteria? They must have brought them to the best places in every city they were at. That's, you know, they pull out all the stops. They're very good at that. Absolutely. But you probably could eat just as well in that cafeteria. No doubt in my mind. Yes. The silverware is probably fancier at the fancy restaurant. That's the beauty of Italy. The food is basically all the same. It's just the plates and the, and the dishes that change. I agree with it's that. It's the kind of table court that you get. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, 
as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. But Dr. Ferdinand, no matter where they... Rosemary, they, please. Rosemary. Nah, doctor, you earned it. That's right. We're big on titles on this show. That's absolutely right. If I were you, I'd have PhD. I put I put Esquire on everything. I paid for that thing. I'd have PhD (laughs) tattooed to my forehead. But anyway, let's digress. But tell us a little bit about what this agreement means for the students, because you know, first of all, life in an Italian university is very different from our American perception of college and and graduate studies. Right? It's much more transient. It's it's not the same sort of campus feel. So what is this agreement going to provide for the American students? What's it going to provide for the Sicilian students? Well, I think the, um, the most important thing I want to highlight is the gratitude of the Sicilian students for this opportunity to be partnering with uh, faculty in the United States. And it's not just the students, the faculty as well, the leadership as well, really see the opportunity. And I, I was so humbled by the gratitude of the Sicilian organizations as Sicilian organizations, because there was very clearly this sense of nobody pays attention to us. What are you even doing here? Like, how come you're not in Rome? How come you're not up in Florence? There was just kind of this sense of awe and wonder. Yeah, yeah, I can <laughs> that see that. It was just such an incredible um, privilege to be part of, to be part of this um, this kind of opportunity and bright future. I was just so well received. So that optimism and that sense of there was just this ongoing sense of yeah, this is really happening. And it's really great. So what does it mean? In very specific sense, in very specific context, what's happening is there are there are currently classes being taught virtually between the two organizations. So there's joint offerings of classes. And these classes are in things like grant writing in English, uh, research skills, uh, just, you know, basic. Right now, there's small little packages being offered. But uh, we started with online classes last September as part of the delegation, a group stayed and actually taught classes in ENA. And then in 2023, there's going to be exchanges where the faculty from Sicily is going to be coming here to USF. And there'll be exchanges around education and and, uh, classes per se. And in the autumn, the group will be coming here. So Matt may have gotten that mixed up. I think in the spring, the faculty goes back. In the autumn, the students actually and faculty come here, which will be just amazing. I've spoken about education and classes per se, but there's also a very strategic level of research. And this research is really the paradigm around the US, around USF Health today and why it is just accelerating in the ratings Um, You know, those kind of evaluations that universities get, it's just climbing uh, because of their commitment to state-of-the-art research. And it was so wonderful to see uh, in these kind of, in the ancient settings in Catania, as well as in um, Owasi or or Troina, and the new setting, brand new research setting in Enna, 
just to see the state of the art research that's going on. Yeah. So that is a, that's going to be, they have certain assets and accumulated data banks in Sicily that are going to accelerate the work that's being done here, as well as our opportunity on the US side to gain what I believe is the secret sauce about Sicily. And that is the fact that our identity, our Sicilian identity is, and I don't even know if this is the right word to use anymore, the, the paradigms get changed so often, but is multicultural at the core. Yeah. You know, it's a global identity. And I just think that, that the Sicilian, you know, mindset has so much to offer. Every time we have an episode where we address Sicily specifically, you know, I mean, our, our dear friend Lou Mendela, the uh, renowned Sicilian American historian comes on a couple of times a year, and we talk about these things. Our guests come on, we talk about projects in Sicily, and that multiculturalism is always at the forefront of everybody's uh, appreciation for the island. and 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 it's I think something that's been really embraced nowadays. I was there filming with Dolores in September, in the beginning of September, and it was really fascinating to see how frankly, well, Sicily does with integration of new communities, uh, embracing them, uh, bringing their culture into Sicilian culture and bringing Sicilian culture to new arrivals. And, and, and I think you're right. I think it's something that the island has done for, you know, over a thousand years. And there's a there's a deep seated sense of and, you know, it comes back to the same conversation we're having about dignity, dignity of people, dignity of cultures and uh, dignity of your neighbor. And, and I think that's something that's very bred into the Sicilian social psychology. And I actually, you know, I always hesitate to speak ill about any institution or anything, but one of my greatest disappointments in life was I had a great mentor, uh, Dr. Salvatore Rotella, who was the president of a bunch of universities. He was a Sicilian, born in Sicily, raised in Eritrea, uh, moved to Queens, New York, and then eventually Chicago and California, just an amazing academic and a great mentor to me. And, uh, Little did I know it was before he would pass. He passed during COVID. Uh, he and I and some other colleagues when I was at NIAF cooked up a program where we would do an exchange between my alma mater, Fordham University, and the University of Palermo based exactly on this idea of multiculturalism. The idea was you, we were going we to create a 400-student campus within the University of Palermo in buildings that had been um, actually uh, reclaimed from the Sicilian Mafia near the campus, and it was going to be 200 Sicilian students or, or Italian students, 100 American or North American students, and 100 North African students. And it was this great new curriculum. And unfortunately, the day before the contract signing, Fordham abruptly pulled out. It was very embarrassing and distressing and changed my relationship with my alma mater, unfortunately. But it was something I was really excited about because I thought we were honoring that multicultural legacy on the island. It's there. It's, 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 it lives, you know? I'm so, you know, I can't let the opportunity go by to say, to point out that the MOU is broad across um, the university. And this is, you know, this is one of the um, important takeaways, I think, for this, for just the project itself, is a way to express ancestral gratitude to highlight the strengths, whether it, it happened to be Sicilian, you know, that was, that was my passion. That's how we wound up here, but really is a prototype 
for any ancestral gratitude type of effort, what a wonderful way to get it done, you know, to, to, uh, to partner with an educational organization, to pay it back that way, to sponsor students. You know, if you're going to donate, donate in a way where it's, you know, you get the full benefits of a tax deduction, but you also get the pass, the passing on of education um, and just, you know, in this case, it's healthcare. So we're actually improving the quality of people's lives and, and adding um, just incredible opportunity to the young workforce there. Um, is, it's just as, a, just as a paradigm, it's been a wonderful thing to do. How did this come about? Did you, did you just concoct this idea and go, because you're on the, the board of the School of Nursing at, at USF, is that right? Yeah, it's the board of advisors. It's just an incredible, wonderful position to be in at this point in my life. And you just um, came up with this idea? So it's a story, you know, it's, it's, um, it started because I wanted to say thank you. It's a combination of ancestral gratitude and patient gratitude. And, you know, chron- chronologically, I've got to start with the patient part. You know, I'm a double lung recipient and I'm a uh, transplant recipient. And I've been transplanted twice. So that, you know, in and of itself is quite a life changing experience. And it just, you know, it has reordered my priorities. It reordered my priorities the first time. And then it really, (laughs) I got a mulligan. It really reordered my priorities the second time. Wow. So both of those transplants took place at Tampa General Hospital, which is a teaching affiliate of USF. So you can imagine that as a nurse, I'm just, I'm just, I was a hospice nurse as well at one point in my career. So I was kind of mentally prepared for what was happening. And I was ready, you know, to go either way, you know, whatever the will of God was, you know, it was going to be okay. And, you know, uh, I just was so struck by how the nurses took care of me. And when I made it through, my husband and the second time, my husband and I said, you know, it'd be great if we find a way to say thank you. And we endowed a scholarship uh, at the University of uh, USF for nursing. And then, you know, a year went by and I, um, I went to Sicily. I actually, actually, yeah, in, in 2019, the beginning of the year, we endowed a scholarship. The end of 2019, I was in Sicily for the first time. And boy, was that an eye opener. I'd never been. Wow. And that struck me. And I said, wow. You know, I mean, that just grounded me in a way that I didn't even know I could be grounded. <laughs> sure. That's what it does. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even know that that existed. And I was just so moved to say thank you to my ancestors. I was brought so in touch with the sacrifice they made. I kind of went AWOL from the tour group and went up into Chirami, wept the entire time. You know, it was so moving. And I came back and I just had this idea of merging the two. How can I, you know, say thank you to USF and, you know, do something in Sicily. And I thought, well, why don't we do this exchange, a nursing exchange per se? So um, the beginning of 2020, you know, I, I came back, had that idea, and I started trying to pull together what is my identity as a Sicilian American? I have this kind of life changing experience. Now, my mom was non Sicilian. So, this, you know, whatever this force was, it was big enough yeah. <laughs> to completely overwhelm whatever, whatever, because it's less about the DNA now, which is why I love your 
your emerging theme around identity, because clearly this was an identity moment for me. So how do I form my identity as an Italian, as a Sicilian American? And I found your podcast. And that's where I started because, you know, where, where would I start? I was disconnected from really any uh, affinity based organizations around being Italian American. That wasn't my path. You know, I put my head down, worked like crazy, was very successful, but you know, would meet the, uh, the, uh, you know, the random Italian along the way and, and we would bond a little bit, but it wasn't really my identity. So this show really helped me in that regard in a big way. The other thing I did was start building. I started looking on the internet for ready-made affinity groups to be able to start to network because there I am sitting in my yard in Florida. How am I going to get from here to find an organization in Sicily. Yeah. And I found a YouTube show called You, Me, and Sicily. And uh, it was during the pandemic. They had some downtime. I sponsored a little mini document- documentary on Charami and built a relationship with them. And online, I asked Esther Veda, who is one of the hosts and producers, if she would help me find an organization that we could partner with to do a nursing exchange. No more information than she answered me on the show. And she connected with another person who is a, like a tour guide, a Renaissance tour guide. Her name is Marta Canizzo out of Enna. And she called the University of Enna and she, where she was an alumna. And standing in the room was Dr. Roberta Malanguanera just kind of randomly. And here comes this phone call you know, basically, look, the University of South Florida is interested in collaborating, you know, with the University of Enna. Are you interested? And Roberta's on the other end going, tell them yes. That's amazing. That's one. What a good, yeah, what good fortune, you know. I got to ask you the PAC question, because this fascinates me, because I've heard this. It, it kind of leaves me uh, gap-jawed when I hear it. What did we do on this podcast that helped you with the identity? People have said that to me and I don't get it. And I'm, I'm honest, I really, I try to connect it in my head and I don't, I don't know what we do or what we've done. I would say, you know, kind of from like, like going in, you know, concentric circles from the outside in, you're really approachable. There's no barrier to access. Like there's no, you know, fill out this form and tell me what percent Italian American you are. Mm. There's none of that going on. Yeah. There's just, you know, an an accessibility and an education focus. Like, here's what it means for those of you who don't know. I mean, that's something that you say. For those of you who don't know, here's, you know, X, Y, Z. And you build out this incredible cultural context. Plus, you, um, you replicate a camaraderie. Like, this is the first time I've met you. But I'm able to drop into this environment like I know you. And there's something to be said about how authentic you are in terms of of how you present yourself in the media. So I would say, you know, this educational focus, this open access, um, a broad range of connection points. um, And I, I guess, you know, I hope that answers it. That's kind of my first pass at it. So much of the stuff, and we have another podcast we're eventually going to have with you with Marona de la Vigna. This is part one of a future part two. <laughs> but of the many things that you have done, Doctor, that has blown me away, when you said that to me, and I heard like this, that we were part of the, a link in your chain to do this phenomenal 
exchange with a university in Sicily and South Florida with nursing, right? Like what no, more noble profession can you have? I was just blown away. And that's why I said to John, I said, we have, we have to get this woman on as quickly as possible because it really, I, I can't, if ever, if all the time and effort we put into a podcast was just for this, it was worth it all. Because what John and I do get about the South of Italy is that in Italy in general, but specifically the South is that the educational access is limited because the institutions are so bureaucratic. Yeah, that's true. So to be able to get an Italian university to do an exchange with an American university in Florida, that is really a miracle because, you know, in Italy and, you know, like John tried it with Fordham, you know, unfortunately for Fordham's loss, it, di it didn't work out. And I just think there's so much good that could come out of this because it's so funny how God works in mysterious ways. I had actually met a 25 year old uh, physician from Spierlinga in Sicily, who was here on an exchange with Clara Moss, actually Clara Moss Hospital in Belvin, New Jersey, her and her boyfriend, um, who are both physicians, um, because they have family, there's a lot of Spill and Jays in, in the new, in northern New Jersey, like there are Cheddar Mays. She had, you know, a cousin of a cousin of an uncle of a friend who got to do an internship in uh, Clara Moss. And, I, and she was just saying about, I said to her, I said, I, and I actually want to get on the podcast. I said, what were the positives and negatives of American hospitals as compared to hospitals in Italy? You know, what did you take away from this? And one thing she said to me was she thought Americans had better bedside manners. She thought that, you know, just something that I, she said, you know, like the American doctor explains more to the American patient than in Italy. They've just gone to the physician and you're going to take this medication and that's it. And she said, well, the American, you know, just little things like that. She said in Italy, she thought what was better about Italy was in Italy, she goes, an American has an issue and the American doctor runs a whole battery of tests where in Italy they would run more specific tests. Now, I'm not a doctor. I don't know how accurate or true or some physician is going to disagree with me. But the fact that those two young physicians could exchange, take positives and negatives and, and learn from an American hospital, maybe an American doctor go there. I said, this is really the future. And these are the kind of things that will change the South of Italy because South of Italy suffers from a brain drain, right? The smart, talented kids get frustrated with the system and they get out. But when we show them that there's a different path and they're encouraged to stay, that's what will be the game changer for the South of Italy. And that's why I am so proud of what you did. It is, it is such a tremendous accomplishment for what you did, because so many people will benefit from this and you're never going to know their names. So many patients in, in Sicily will benefit because an American uh, Sicilian nurse would have maybe learned something in America and they're going to benefit. And it all goes back to you. And how, how else do you compliment an act like that? Well, it was a team. Believe me, if I hadn't met, if I if, but all along the way, right, all I did was strike the match. All along the way, it just everybody was able to resonate with this theme of giving back. You know, that I think is, you know, I've used the term before, but I think that was the secret sauce about all of this. It's just a everybody's got that immigrant story. You know, the leaders of this organ, they're not Italian Americans in the United States. You know, Dean Menon and Dr. Jennifer Koo. They're not, but boy, do they resonate with what we're doing. And boy, yeah, do but they they're, they're, they're going to love Italy. They're going to connive any way they can to get themselves on exchange over there. <laughs> every every faculty member <laughs> yeah. in that school is going to try to get their way to when the Americans go over there. You have made yourself very popular with them. Now, let me ask you, <laughs> how far are you is your university and the hospital from Miami? Um. I would swell it's, it's uh, hours, maybe, maybe I want to say six or six Where or are eight you, Tampa? hours. Tampa. Oh yeah, yeah. You're a hike. 
Oh yeah, now I I forgot that you're in Tampa. Yeah, that's a that's a good five or six hour hike, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Tampa, Tampa and Miami. Italians are, love you know, Miami. That's why I ask. They do. There's well, nothing. You know, there's something they love. they love Florida. There's something with Italians in Florida. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, real Italians. The Italians from Italy. You see, see, you could smell them walking around Miami. I've I've been there and said, yeah, there's something about that. But Tampa's beautiful. Tampa has a Tampa has a a a great Sicilian population. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. They have the Sicilian. Do you are you familiar with any of them, Doctor? The Sicilians organizations in Tampa. Well, now that's what that's my tour right now. That's what I'm doing. So so you're the first stop. Because and, we uh, we know we know people in that organization. That's a oh, that's please a, tell me then. Yeah, maybe offline yeah, yeah. send me a sure, list absolutely. of good names. We're 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 set up to meet with Unico of Greater Tampa Bay, the Italian American Club. You know, which really basically is is flying the Sicilian flag. Yeah, Sicilian. They were from San, <laughs> San, San, Santo Stefano di Camastra, I think. Exactly. That whole exactly. so kind of us to fly the Italian flag when we have our own, right? I mean, have we? Uh... <laughs> I love the Sicilian flag. This season is for family gathering and connection to both each other and to Italy. Mediaset Italia is the perfect channel for your Italian family this winter. Connect to Italian culture, news, and entertainment like no other channel. You get the best shows from top Italian channels, Canale Cinque, Italia Uno, and Rete Quattro, all in one place. Laugh and cheer this winter with new seasons of popular shows, including celebrity prank show Scherzi a parte, satirical news program Le Iene, and talent show powerhouse Amici with Maria Di Filippi, plus special concerts and new dramas. There's always something new on Mediaset Italia, so call your local television provider today. You know, it's funny, you have these conversations, right? And it is, I have to say, I don't want to make this about the show's impact on you, but it's very, very, not just humbling, but also edifying, frankly, to hear stories like yours where finding our show impacted your journey deeper into your heritage. And, you know, we we have this conversation in the new neighborhood sometimes because I think it's safe to say we as the five hosts are really aware of the theme that our version of being Italian-American where we're from in Italy, where our families came to, when they came, where we live now, you know, all of those factors. For me, everybody's version is authentic and everybody's version is diverse. And I hate to use the term authentically Italian-American because it presupposes that there's an alternative to it, right? There's something that's inauthentic. And, and you know, I always tell a story of the best essay I ever read in NIAF scholarship applications was a young kid who gave this impassioned essay about his Italian heritage, how much it meant to him. And of course, the last sentence said, and it means all the more to me because I was born in South Korea and adopted by Italian parents. And, you know, that kid's as Italian as I am, right? It's not about an ethnicity or a percentage or anything like that. It's really a a life choice and and a selected identity in so many ways. All that being said, I think it's wonderful when people, from whatever the inspiration find ways to go back and do good works in Italy because from north to south, it's a place that does actually still need the partnership, the, I don't want to say help, but the engagement. And I don't think Italian-Americans over many generations have thought about what they can do philanthropically, charitably, actively as participants there. And I don't think Italians have looked at Italian-Americans as a viable participatory group and I I love to see these strings tying closer together because 
it's going to benefit everybody and it's going to benefit all of our compatriots who have no Italian in them at all if we bring these two societies closer together in good works. And and we're we're a perfect vehicle for that. And I just don't think it's ever been exploited. So you make me very happy to see your... Yeah, you really do. You don't yeah. understand how much we appreciate what you've done and how it, it, you know, all the time and effort we put in, you've you've paid it back for us in satisfaction a million times over with this project. So whatever little connection we have means the world to us. In this. Yeah, very true. Because like I said, man, many people are going to benefit you know, who, who's more appreciative than a mother of a sick child in a hospital Yeah. to the staff that, you know, saves their child and and heals their child? I mean, what what more could you ask for in life? Ain't that the truth? Yeah, I would That's... love to go to the hospital and visit them, John. Yeah, it'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? Couldn't we go and then go to the cafeteria? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm assuming Dr. Ferdinand can get you an invite to the cafeteria. You know, I don't but... want to go. To, I want to tell you, I, go to, I was in a, a friend of mine was a university professor in Spain. And I was there in the late 90s. And I loved their college cafeterias. The food was excellent. You got a small beer and it was fantastic. I'm embarrassed to say, but one of the best meals I ever had in Italy, you and I were stuck in Rome, I think. Maybe we, me, you, your brother, and Nick Videlia. For some reason, we, I don't know if we missed a train or something. I think we were stuck in the Termini train station. And we went to that, they have that outdoor grill on the top level of this train station. And they had like a, a regional menu every month. And, and the month we were there was Sicily. And they had a little veal brugelatina that they made that I still dream of sometimes. It was one of the – I mean, in Italy, you can't go to a cafeteria and eat like a king. That is very, very true. They, they, they just – you're not going to find too many bad options. That's, a, that's, that's the blessing. And Catania, by the way, I don't know how much more time you're going to spend there, Dr. Ferdinand, but I have tons and tons of recommendations on restaurants in Catania that I absolutely love because I always end up flying into there and out of there for business. So I always spend like a day or two in Catania. They have an amazing flea market, which right up my alley, and some of the best restaurants in Sicily. It's, it's a city that doesn't get a lot of tourism, but really should. Yeah, yeah. I, I fell in love with it. Been there a couple of times. I was there at Christmas last year and then for this. And I'm, I'm getting, it's got its own vibe, right? It's a little, little edgy. You know, it's not like a Taumino, shiny and polished. No, you know, no, there's, yeah. It's got an edge to it and a vibe that I really like. And plus the college, you know, you have that vitality of the students running around. So it's a, it's a, it's a great city. And of course, the food that I can't remember the name of that um, uh, pat- uh, patisserie in the, uh, oh gosh, I just said it in French. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all right. It's a, it's a loan word to English, right? Yeah. Forgive me. Yeah. Um, beautiful shop there with, you go in, it's like a jewelry store. Yeah. You look at the pastries and it's just gorgeous. That's where they took us on day one. You know, they, I had been there before, but they took the faculty there. So we never hit the cafeteria per se, but we were shown some pretty good food. I got to ask you a question. Another question. When you went to Chiram, did you have any of the cavateta cookies? That they, that's like your national cookie. No, I didn't. But I do have the recipe that you sent me. You know, and, <laughs> and I will. Uh, I will make them. You know, but if you look, Patrick, if you go on the Chirami City Commune website, in there, there's a picture where they're all they're all in some business meeting around the table, and there's those cookies in the middle. Because, you know, Anthony Shelia, the great Tony Manja, a very dear friend, the great Instagram sensation, he was in Chirami this summer. Because this cookie, for those out there, it's named Cavatia, like um, like the uh, calf on, on, a, on someone's leg. And it is it has to be an Arab cookie because it's a cookie 
a biscotto, whatever you want to call it, that's soaked in a sugar water syrup after it's made. And then chopped almonds are put on top. And the greatest moment I thought of Shilia's trip when he came back and told me about his weeks in Sicily was everybody complained in Chiram that nobody chops the almonds the same way anymore. <laughs> and now the almonds are too fine. Years ago, they were chunkier because now they use a food processor. And nothing makes me happier than when Italians complain that something doesn't taste the way it used to. <laughs> that know, to me was like the greatest, even funny. in the motherland. It's funny you say that, Pat, because when Dolores and I were there, we were hosted by Melissa Muller and her husband and family at Feuda Montoni, the winery. Melissa was a guest on our show a while back and the author of my favorite Sicilian cookbook. I hesitate to call it a cookbook. It's a uh, encyclopedia. It's a magnum opus. It's a magnum opus. But she was telling me that in her research, and in, you know, she still travels all over the country now, both for the winery and their products, and she was saying that a lot of Sicilians have come to the conclusion that one of the big changes in recipes that call for almonds is because of the cost in the old days, many bakers were using more of a, a percentage in their mix of the Sicilian bitter almonds, which have now gone out of fashion and they're the, the more heirloom varietal in Sicily. So the, the taste of that bitter almond, they say, was much uh, different and they're using less and less of them if they're using them at all. And that's what's changing a lot of the tastes in Sicily around almonds. I thought that was fascinating because I had no idea that there was even a bitter almond, really. I didn't know that. See, you know, only I... an Italian-American podcast could have this kind of... See, if you're an outside person, if you're a Norwegian, this probably seems very disjointed. <laughs> it's a little disjointed. But it really but... isn't. Yeah. It's like a full circle in our brains. I've come to realize from really early on in our doing this show that the word that I often use to describe our conversations, and I, and I say it with love, is meandering. They go from many different places. They, you know, the pacing is what it is. And, you know, a conversation around an initiative like this can turn to one around almond cookies. And that's that's who we are. Well, it's a conversation around an Italian table with a, with a cup of coffee. and Yeah, it's very true. You know, it's, yeah. that's what it is. That's that's what we that's what we want it to be. And I'm glad that it I, I, I did in... not intermittent fast today because I knew it would be hard. I got to change my days up because I knew I'd be talking about Cavadia or something like this would come up. And... <laughs> now you're going for cookies next. Yeah, I'm going with cookies next, and then then it gets ugly. And now, Dr. Ferdinand Rosemary, what's next for you? What's next for the program? When do you go back? What's the next iteration out here? Well, I would say the next iteration at this point is developing it, you know, socializing it within the Italian-American community, letting people know that we're here. Um, finding ways to uh, raise funds for this. And the papers that I sent to Stephanie have a link to be able to donate directly, which would be great uh, to USF. Um, and it would go, it actually is um, marked for this fund, which would be wonderful. Um, but what happens next is to develop, you know, specifically those visits that I talked about in 2023. Uh, us going back over or the USF faculty going back over. I'm not personally sure if I'll go back, but I will go back at some point. Um, and then the, the team coming here in the autumn, but really uh, stabilizing the joint faculty appointments, building the infrastructure of the program. And that's primarily what the appeal is, is to be able to set up, as you both know, uh, the way these organizations work is they need an endowed chair, mm. um, ideally, and in, uh, they need at least an endowed professor, but an endowed chair to secure the program, to make sure that that structure is in place at USF going forward. 
So t- uh, for those of us who are not involved in academia, and you know, you always hear that, right? Whenever I, uh, Pat and I are at Italian American conferences, we oftentimes find the academic side of our community talks about that need for endowed professorships and chairs in Italian studies, Italian American studies, and, and here in, in obviously in nursing and this exchange. What does that entail? Like, what's the number that these universities expect in terms of donations and uh, a real endowment in order to preserve that thing? Yeah, that's a great question. And thank you so much for asking it. The uh, professorship is $1 million to endow it. And the global chair is $3 million. And what's the difference between those two? What, what, what does that mean? Like, let's say somebody just hit the two billion, Brazilian dollar, mega millions, whatever it was last week, happens to be Italian and decides he, he wants to give some money to this. What's the difference between an endowed chair and an endowed professorship? So I'll do my best. Um, <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, the, um, the endowed professorship secures a faculty position for somebody to uh, teach the classes, coordinate even to a certain extent the the because there's a lot of coordination that has to happen with a program like this. You can imagine uh, the travel issues, just, you know, all the details, um, and also coordinate the different research initiatives, the grant applications. Uh, there's just a lot of, of um, heavy lifting that goes on in terms of documenting the contribution that this type of program makes to the broader uh, educational community and body of knowledge around healthcare globally, because both of these positions, the focus will be global health, of which the uh, USF Sicily program um, is just the first instantiation. There'll be more that, that come down the path. Now, with respect to the global program chair, now we're talking about a department. Now we're talking about something where there's broader scope uh, in terms of access to resources uh, within the organization, um, broader authority in terms of just the uh, administrative activities of the department, in addition, obviously, to securing grants and supporting the research and, and leading research itself. That's really wonderful. You know, one point I want to make here is everybody's heard about the nursing shortage, right? Everybody knows, especially with the pandemic. Well, the reality that Dean Menon is facing in Tampa, and it is not, oh, she is not alone in this, is that they don't have enough faculty to teach the nurses. Wow. They have waiting lists of people to be trained as nurses, but they don't have the faculty to teach it. So now the faculty are in a position to basically say, you know, well, what job do I want to take? So they're searching for endowed positions, but they know they have a future in. Mm-hmm. so that they have a long-term career line ahead of them versus something that could shift based on, I don't know, you know, a, a shift in, in an organization's uh, never priorities because nursing is always a priority, but more like financial health or something like that might come along. Yeah, sure. So, of course, yeah. That's, so two things, you know, stability and throughput. Doctor, as a member of Unicode, it'll be 30 years next June. This is something 1,000% that the national, Unico National, as a national organization, should get behind. I mean, they have endowed so many Italian studies chairs. They've done so much with endowing education. Because if, they, if Unico doesn't do this, who will? I mean, this is, this is totally up their alley. Pat, I'm going to need your help. Just tell them you need a sit-down meeting with the uh, national president of Unico. Because that's, okay. that's an easy ask for them. They, they could raise that $4 million. I, I certainly think we can be helpful um, in 
introductions to organizations and groups out there and, and sharing with our audience like we're doing today. Obviously, we're going to link on the show page uh, where you can go if you want to support this program. I think it's uh, it, we, we've had a lot of good fortune and generosity as we've put these kind of projects out. I know I heard through our social that when we were talking about the Dean Martin statue in Steubenville, a lot of people were inclined to donate there, obviously different projects, but the point being getting the clarion call out there and helping to understand and create the roadmap of what is out there in the institutional community. And uh, if you're out there as a listener and you think you can help and you think you know institutions, organizations, donors, you know, you, we'll, we'll make it uh, easy to get in touch with Dr. Ferdinand and the USF team. And uh, hopefully we as a community can rally around a, a great cause because it would be a wonderful testament to, like you said, you used a fantastic term earlier in our in our conversation when you said ancestral gratitude. And it's something I've never heard used and it's something I'm going to steal for sure. Please. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it's going it's going right in the lexicon. Don't worry. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. First and foremost, thanks for listening and, and finding us. And uh, thanks for all the good work you're doing and coming on today. Fellow Setonian, it's been a great honor. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. Is that what My you guys pleasure. call yourselves? Yeah, we're Setonians. Setonians. We are bound for victory, hazards at forward, we shall follow that decree. Onward, Setonia, stand up proud and stand up tall. <laughs> fight, fight, fight for the blue and white and the glory of Seton Hall. Should I should I part on my gazoo with that? Yes, there you go. I think the Rye, <laughs> the rye sign-off's getting a little stale. You got to change and it up every episode. I didn't know episode. if I should, because this was like a Sicilian hot, a very heavy Sicilian episode, if I should do Viti Nacrozza. Ooh, Who else's favorite. national theme song is I Saw a Skull? That's what your song means. I saw a skull. <laughs> but I think maybe the Seton Hall fight song that in honor of the doctor. Absolutely right. And the right. Seton Hall nursing program, second to none. And all of the Setonians out there. That was a great term. I, I, that's Setonians? Oh, sounds like a culture a newspaper from the Lord was of the Rings. A Setonian. Yeah, it's a classy name. It's, it's very, a classy name. I like that. I like that very much. American well, colonial. If you're out there and you're a Setonian, Pat's going to serenade you with the fight song. For the rest of you, we hope you've enjoyed this very, very uh, important look into a great project and a great uh, paisana who's out here in the sphere and family of the Italian-American podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. That's pretty good. You're getting good with that kazoo, my friend. I got the shredder berries. How could I not <laughs> I, like, I like hearing you uncrinkle the paper because I know you're re-wrapping it. I think it's going to be